A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, from comfortable to downright sticky, that is the forecast that lays ahead of us. How are you, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Yankee, keeping you up to date on what's happening in food and fiber news as we roll our way into a hot and sticky Thursday. Today, we're going to have partly sunny skies. We're going to top out right around 90 degrees. Tonight, we'll slip back to 69, and then tomorrow, partly sunny skies back up around 88. Saturday, a little bit more moderate, 86, and by Sunday, we'll be at 85. The good news is, by Sunday, they're telling me that we've got at least an 80% chance of rain showers. Now, how much rain? That is up for debate. We're going to talk about it with Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist. Uh, We're also keeping an eye on the world marketplace, the Federal Reserve giving signals that they're ready to raise interest rates as soon as 2020. 23. That's a little earlier than the market had expected. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average lower this morning, and so are our commodities. We're talking about it with Andy Fallman. He is with EverAg, and he'll be joining us live this morning for the latest update on what's happening with our commodity markets, especially dairy. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Around my place, irrigation is a hose and a water sprinkler. But a lot of folks around Wisconsin that uh, do more than grow grass and a few flowers, they need more. And irrigation is so vital, especially in certain places around Wisconsin. And Aaron, you had a chance to talk to some of the folks over there in central Wisconsin where without irrigation, you just can't farm. Yeah, Bob, you've got that right. And there is a lot of technology that really goes into it more than just turning on a hose. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And this dry and hot weather seems to just keep being the theme for much of Wisconsin right now. We continue to see that the topsoil and subsoil moisture just keeps getting depleted across much of the state, even in places with heavier soil. Because The central sands, they're usually irrigating already anyways, but places with heavier soil maybe wouldn't be in a normal year. Scott Polzine of North Central Irrigation in Plainfield, Wisconsin, chatted with me about what areas are needing moisture the most right now and maybe what else is going on in in the industry. He says that they're kind of falling in the same rut as everyone else, having the same problems in supply chain that are creating issues for getting parts for these systems. And it's just been a really, really odd year in many different aspects. Uh, Well, we've been irrigating in Central Sands area for two and a half months now. And most any other area that has the irrigators has been watering for probably at least a month already. There's been a little rain in certain spots through the central part of the state. We haven't gotten any rain. And in our sand, we have a day and a half's worth of available water for the plant. So it's just dry here all the time. And the other areas that have heavier soil maybe hold a little more water. 
that haven't gotten any rain, they're depleted. Most likely guys have been watering to try to maintain the soil water profile. If they haven't, then they're going to struggle to catch back up without any rainfall. But now we're struggling as dry as it is. We're struggling to keep things wet enough and not have them suffer. Uh, when, when we're in the 90-degree heat day after day, there's not much you can do. Even enough water doesn't help. It stresses the plants to a point where they start to affect what their yield is going to be. Irrigation is obviously a lot more than just turning on the water. So what kind of things do crop producers need to know in order to irrigate most effectively? Well, they would typically know what their soil holding capacity is per foot of soil, and depending on what crop they're growing, would know how deep it would be rooted so they know how much water is available. If the groundwater is full, it's full capacity, then they know how much there is there available. And watching ET rates on a daily basis according to the growth of your crop will determine how much it uses up per day. Uh, you can get ET levels from your own weather station or from the university to know how much water has been used. And using soil probes to detect soil moisture and the levels of it to know where you're at and how much you need to add back to it to refill the profile. You had mentioned before that using heat mapping technology helps out with irrigation. How is that used? That typically we're using just to see issues with an irrigation system and an issue with nozzles or sprinkler package that uh, is either under or over plying the water, and then they can go to that location on the machine and take care of any issue. Uh, Not really using it to determine how much water you need, just seeing that your pivot is properly applying it. Now, talking about the technologies that are within each of these systems, what kind of things are involved within the system itself, and what kind of things have to be done to make sure that they keep continually working and issues don't have to be dealt with like that? They each have a specific sprinkler package designed for that machine for the gallons and pressure that the well delivers them to uh, uniformly distribute the water in the field and keeping up on sprinkler packages, maintaining them, keeping your wells pressures proper, wells maintained, and using, making use of your soil probes and other irrigation scheduling techniques. Uh, there's, there's irrigation scheduling programs that can be utilized, making use of the soil probes, and that data goes into the program and helps to determine uh, when and how much to water. Most large farms have on their irrigation, they're all remote controlled, so they can turn them on and off whenever they need to. They uh, have rain buckets for sensing rainfall in that field and knowing what it had for rainfall instead of one gauge in a not a specific area. So remote control, they know when the machine shuts off, they can get out right away and fix it. They can maintain them better, control them better. We've had that for many years now. And just the technology, their programs, variable rate programs can be run, any, anything to properly apply the water, you know, cost farmers money to pump water. They don't pump water when they don't need it, uh, and they don't want to waste money, so they, they put on what the crop requires and, and don't excessively water. So for crop producers that don't currently have any irrigation systems installed but are in need of them, What kind of things do they need to know going into it if they're going to install a system like that? Uh, Well, they would would determine if they they want irrigation by this year would 
is has been is drier than most have been lately and if you can't maintain your soil moisture you may get the crop to half half of its growth and run out of water and then you end up with no crop nothing to harvest so if it doesn't if it doesn't rain anywhere in the state everybody would need irrigation when we get supplemental rains there's ground that can hold an inch and a half of water per foot or more once it does rain in the sand uh, uh we only hold two tenths to to seven tenths of available water per foot so any sandy ground everyone is typically irrigating that already otherwise they can't uh rely on a crop at the end of the year so with the drier weather and irrigation systems running probably more than normal, have you guys as a business seen that you've been busier or that you've been getting more service calls or things like that? Uh, we are. We uh, New projects going in. We're struggling to get product, as any industry is, with the economy and, and what happened with the COVID issues. Product is tight. Shipping is tight. We're struggling to get things to finish projects up. So it's been a unique year in that. I haven't had to deal with those issues much in the past, but it's uh, affecting our ability to get things done uh, this year in a, in a huge way. So you say supplies are tight and things are really short. What kind of things specifically are you seeing there being a lot of issues with? Well, the ones that are here are being run, but we're getting to a point now where manufacturers and suppliers are running out of parts because of their supply chain, electronic components, tires, Anything with resins, plastic gaskets, anything with rubber, the raw materials have been hard to get, and we're starting to run out of those products. Scott Bolzine of North Central Irrigation in Plainfield, Wisconsin, with some updates about things that are a little bit different when it comes to irrigation this year. Technologies in irrigation continue to advance to help producers most effectively use water when growing their plants. And this protects not only the plants, but the crop producer's pocketbook as well. And Polzine mentions that their interesting and busy year doesn't look like it's coming to an end anytime soon. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You'll need what's under the hood to make noise. Or you'll miss the real noise. Hammered one. Interstate All Battery Center in Middleton carries long-lasting car and truck batteries for power-hungry fans of the game. After all, you'd rather listen to a brewer than a bummer. Your soundtrack of summer relies on Interstate All Battery Center in Middleton. Interstate batteries. Outrageously dependable. Phase one, clear takeoff. Since 1995. The Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military, Here we go. has been operational for civilian use. Please proceed to the highlight Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission, guiding you safely on your way while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America. You rarely think about it, and it often goes unnoticed until your basement or building floods. 
A reliable sump pump can be a lifesaver, preventing flooding by detecting water levels and pumping the water back outside, away from your home or business. If your sump pump isn't functioning, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. They can replace your existing sump pump, floats, and check valves. They'll even upgrade your current system to include a battery backup system. The battery makes sure your system continues to work in the event of a power outage. Away from home, receive pump activation alerts on your smart device. Enjoy peace of mind and improve the value of your property with an upgraded sump pump from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Alrighty, let's get at it this morning and find out just exactly what's coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live this morning. You know, yesterday was such a nice day, and now I looked at the forecast this morning. i got to figure out what I'm going to wear as far as clothes for the day. And boy, you got to start off this morning a little bit on the comfortable side, but it's going to be sticky by the end of the day, huh? Yeah, we're going to see that heat build in today, Pam, and the humidity as well, and even a rain chance. I'll take that. Now, that's That'll... one we've all been hoping. Yeah, we'll take it in big ways, and it could. It could be in big ways in some areas. I mean, we're looking at this system trying to build in from the west. The low itself is still around southwest Minnesota, northwest Iowa. It's going to dive further south and east across Iowa, heading to far southwest Wisconsin. The chance of severe weather and what I would say would be heavier rain really does cover a good part of southwest Wisconsin, as far almost as far north as La Crosse, almost as far east as Madison. That that corner of southwest Wisconsin could be in an area where an inch or even two of rain could be a possibility. So now we figure out most of us are just north or east of that heaviest rain, and I'd still expect rain amounts that could push up into the half or even three-quarter of an inch range, lighter in eastern Wisconsin, maybe some one-inch amounts toward Boston and La Crosse, but I think some measurable rain does appear to be edging in, and as something we'll see, it may even develop yet this afternoon in western Wisconsin, including Madison. More likely, though, it shows up through the night last, just into early Friday. Now that cool front that's going to slide through pulls slowly away through eastern Wisconsin tomorrow. Oh, we don't get a major cool down. But we get a little break. Not too noticeable yet Friday, but Saturday sounds pretty nice indeed. Temperatures dropping uh, on Saturday, probably within 5 degrees of normal, a little bit above that, though. But that's not too bad and shouldn't seem too steamy or, or summery, if you will. I expect another low to move in, this one with some organization. So Sunday and Sunday night, another chance of rain showing up. Right now, that could be another half to even one inch of rain. At least that's how the possibilities look Sunday through Sunday night. And it does get much cooler next week. So there are two chances of rain. We may actually have something to talk about tomorrow and by Monday. And then by Monday, much cooler temperatures, daytime highs in the 70s will begin to settle in. So a break from the heat for next week as well. Well, right after some what should be measurable rain, I think the crops will put it to good use, really convert it into energy. And the rest of us may be getting a little energy boost because it won't quite be as hot 
as we make our way into the early part of next week. So there's a lot of good news to share. We'll talk about the forecast right after this. Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu, go ahead and tell us all about what we can expect today and uh, put the emphasis on that moisture possibility. I knew you'd like to hear that. See, mostly sunny and hot today. That's just how it's going to be. And I'd say 90 in many locations across, you know, low 90s because you've got to be warmer. And there is that slight chance of a very late day shower or thunderstorm. Let's just say La Crosse, Mauston, Madison could see a little rain yet by evening. I'd look for those warm temperatures in the 90s, the south winds at 5 to 15. Mostly cloudy tonight, showers, even thunderstorms develop. There may be some strong winds. There could be some localized heavy rainfall. Like I say, that southwestern corner of Wisconsin, a one to two inch rain amount. Elsewhere, we're talking uh, maybe up to an inch or so, lacrosse, Boston, Madison, and a little lighter, probably under an inch further east and north. Nighttime lows in the mid-60s, south winds at 5 to 15. In the east and south, a small rain chance early, most sunny skies though for friday still in the very upper 80s with the west winds about 5 to 10 saturday some sunshine not bad low 80s west winds at 5 to 10 and the next rain chance pam for sunday i'd still say sunday will be in the mid or upper 80s and showers and storms especially on towards sunday afternoon and into sunday night could lead to some new wet conditions around for monday morning yeah and it looks like that extended forecast now has got more possibility for rain into next week like wednesday thursday friday next week huh yeah we'll start picking up on some of that you know that cool air that builds in after that front sunday sunday night when we drop back in the the low to mid 70s for several days which should just be wonderful uh that settles out the atmosphere a bit so the next disturbance actually then does have a chance to stir something up so late in the week toward next weekend yeah a little more likelihood of some new rains to help build up some of that soil moisture slowly and surely i was uh, also kind of curious what are you given ratings as far as severe weather in say the next 48 hours well especially in southwest wisconsin and like i said you know that's west of madison south across there's a, a moderate chance that something could happen. There's some strong winds, maybe a little hail. That's the possibility. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, I wouldn't call it a slight chance, but it's a pretty small possibility. All right. All right. Good enough. Well, I'll roll you over the coals again tomorrow when we see what we got, okay? 
Oh, we'll have to talk about rain. Come on, be uh, positive. I'm I'm good with that. I'm very good with that. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, with your weather details. Yeah, and don't forget, get your rain gauge ready. It's been a while since you had to knock the dust out of it, but uh, we would appreciate your rainfall reports if we get anything as far as uh, rainfall. Don't forget the Midwest Farm Report talk text line that could get you qualified to win a weather station of your own, courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance and the Midwest Farm Report. That talk text line is 877-301-FARM, 877-301-3276. And that will be what I look to first thing tomorrow morning to see if anybody got any rain. Weather is influencing our markets. We're talking about that more. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. For all the people who want to make good things happen, for the experts determined to help others, for the ones who want to be a part of something bigger, there's a career for you at Unity Point Health Meritor. We're hiring people at every experience level who are motivated to improve lives by providing safe, comfortable care. What does it take to make a difference? It just takes you. Find your opportunity online at joinmeritor.com. Know how much you matter to this world. Huh. Nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But... It's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. I don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. 
Need to get some rest. This the worst headache ever. Hmm. Right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Sounds like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help regarding recent weapons offenses. On Thursday, May 20th at 8.10 p.m., officers were dispatched to the area of Maher Avenue and Linda Vista Road for multiple reports of shots fired. A black Dodge Charger and a silver sedan fled the area after the incident. No damage or injuries were reported. On Friday, May 21st at 8.09 p.m., officers were dispatched to Belt Street for multiple callers reporting the sound of gunfire. A silver sedan was seen leaving the area. A bullet did enter a nearby home and pass through the living area into the victim's bedroom while the victim was home. Thankfully, they were not injured. If you have any information regarding either of these incidents, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255 255- Two three four five. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. What the hell happened last night at the Milwaukee Bucks? Is it Kevin Durant literally just had a performance of the ages or the defense for the Bucks just didn't show up when needed? Well, it depends who you ask, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Mike Boonholzer said they, they made him work for those 49 points. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? They made some tough shots. They made tough shots. Look, I, here's the thing. You can look at it a couple of different ways. This feels very much like after Game 2. Now, obviously, they didn't have a 17-point lead in Game 2. They just got the doors beat off of them. But everyone thought the series was over. And then they come back and win the next two games. And I think you can look at it a positive way, negative way. I mean, each team is held at home, and that's what Milwaukee needs to do tomorrow night. And uh, I think that's probably the best way to look at it. It took a historic performance from Kevin Durant to beat them last night. And uh, it took, you know, them a little, a little puckering on, on their end of it to lose that game. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it's very disappointing if you're a Bucks fan. Like, you had that game, and then you come home tomorrow night, and you take the series, and you move on. And now they have to uh, win two games to get it done. Zach, it's something uh, I know you know about this, but I'm going to bring it up for some listeners that don't. The uh, nut kick continuum is just mm. – I, I don't there's got to yeah, be some thing. in-depth in story about like the pain we suffer as Wisconsin sports fans for all of our sports here. Just a little thirty for thirty. On uh, it'd be like a sixty. The... It'd be like a sixty for sixty. We need a lot of time it, for it. <laughs> it would be. Um, yeah. No. You're right. It it is. It, the game wasn't an elimination game. Yeah, I know. It just felt it was bad. Game five. Like they used to have five game series back in the day. It's not five games anymore. It's, it's seven. So it just felt like one of but, those things that just breaks your back. I I agree. I completely agree. It's just a matter of, like, if they don't show up tomorrow night, then yes, that's the game you look at and be like, that. you add that one to all the other nut kicks that have happened over the last, what, <laughs> 10 years? Yeah, it's I mean, been a long time, man. It's been, I mean, really since, 
really since the Super Bowl, right? Uh, the Super Bowl 45, pretty much everything else has just been a boom, 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 like that type of thing in the playoffs for every Wisconsin sports team and, and the NCAA tournament too and all that stuff. But we have to wait and see. Like if they come back and win tomorrow night and then they go out to uh, Brooklyn again and, and get another shot at it and they win that, then we don't even think about game five. But yeah, right now, yeah, it's, 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 it sucks. And the, the biggest question is, um, what the hell? Why aren't you putting Giannis on Katie at some point? Like, and I know PJ Tucker's done a really good job for the most part in the series, but you, you got to put the guy's the first team all defense player. You got to put him on him. Yeah. Let him have a shot. If, if nothing else is working, you got to let him have a shot. Well, Zach, it was crazy after the game. Giannis, I know it was kind of tongue in cheek, like him, like flipping it on the reporters. But Giannis asking reporters how they would have guarded Kevin Durant. Just... <laughs> it, it, did you play that clip? I did. I, I did last segment. Yeah. Yeah, it. I he he will have that conversation though. Like he, especially the guy that he was at that was asking the questions was Eric Name from the Athletic. He's had those type of things before, but yeah, I mean, he didn't want to say it himself, right? Yeah, like he didn't want to say the way I would have done it. I would have put myself on him and just gone gone to work. Like that's what he probably would have wanted to say. So, but yeah, I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't at least try that. <laughs> Like, it's not even for a full game. Like, P.J. Tucker has done a pretty solid job. Kevin Durant got hot. He had 30 points in the second half. you got to find some way to slow that down when nobody else – I mean, the only problem is Jeff Green was on fire too, right? right. Like, how, how do you – I mean, it wasn't just KD beating them. It was other guys too. Yeah, and by other guys, and just mean one other guy, though. Like, Griffin was okay too. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant, wow. Man. He's a, he's a beast, man. He's and Giannis said it after. He's the best player in the in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, all the headlines right now. Kevin Durant cements himself as the best player in the NBA. Best Giannis as best player in the world. It's hard to argue against it. What he did last night was historic. I was just like, I'm like, I'm, I can't believe I'm watching this, but I can believe it. You know, it was just yeah, crazy. It's him. That's, <sighs> I mean, he needed that. Look, he he is a two time Finals MVP. It's just that he never got credit for it because he did it with. Uh, Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. Like he didn't get the credit that he probably wanted and probably deserved. And last night was one of those games where you sh- all of a sudden people remember who Kevin Durant is. And I don't know why people needed to remember, but he showed. Yeah, Kevin Durant was so good last night, Zach. That Kevin Durant's burner accounts didn't have to do anything last night. <laughs> they stayed dormant. Zach Halford, sports director, joining us. Yeah, Zach, they did. Yeah, uh, so you're bringing up an MVP like Kevin Durant, but how about a three-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers? I know you watched his little uh, comments with uh, you know Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and Tom Brady. I loved how Rodgers blurred out his background so you couldn't tell where he was. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Tomorrow they're breaking ground on a $128 million expansion and renovation project for the UW-Madison School of Veterinary Medicine. And boy, is it needed. That school was built back in 1983 and has had relatively little adjustment to its structure since then. I'll give you the details with Dr. Mark Markell, the Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine, in just a little bit. Andy Fulman from EverAg is joining us live this morning. The Federal Reserve giving indications that it's ready to raise interest rates as soon as 2023. That doesn't just impact the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's impacting our commodities as well. We're going to talk with Andy about that in just a moment. I'm PM Yankee. 
Now, from the Countryside Landmark Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. So today is the 17th day of June. On this day in 1944, Iceland became a republic. Before that time, it had been included in the Norwegian and the Danish monarchies. So they took over control of their own geography on this day in 1944. On this day in 1928, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to fly across the Atlantic. But it's kind of interesting. She really didn't fly. She actually was kind of keeping the flight log. The pilot was actually Wilmer Stoltz. And they landed in the United Kingdom 20 hours and 40 minutes after they took off from the United States. And on this day in 1885, the Statue of Liberty arrived in New York. Happy birthday also to tennis great Venus Williams. She turns 41 years old. And now you know. As I said, I want you to know, tomorrow they're going to have a groundbreaking ceremony on a $128 million expansion and renovation project for the UW-Madison School of Veterinary Medicine. Nobody is happier about it than Dr. Mark Markell, the dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine. So it's a project that we began talking about, believe it or not, in 2002. So 19 years ago, I became the dean in 2012, where we really started pushing hard behind it. Uh, We were enumerated by the state, quote-unquote, meaning funded for the building for a component of the whole project uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. And uh, we were asked to raise around $40 million towards the project, and we've already raised more than $50 million for the project. So uh, on all fronts, that's incredibly promising. We went through a design phase with Flat Architects uh, for over a year. Uh, We then, this spring, uh, the state selected our contractor, which is C.D. Smith, and uh, actually today, uh, the 16th of June, we turned the parking lot over to C.D. Smith, and two days from now, on the 18th, uh, we're going to have a groundbreaking ceremony, and they're going to literally begin construction next week. Outstanding. Now, tell people what this will bring, not just to the, the, the staff, the students, but really the state of Wisconsin. Uh, it's going to have a tremendous impact. Uh, we were created over 30 years ago, almost 40 years ago now. Uh, you know, at the time, we were meant to see around 12,000 patients per year. We see 30,000 patients now. And as you highlighted, we are very constrained with space, which limits our ability to see uh, patients. It limits uh, a number of veterinarians we can, tra- we can train. There's a tremendous shortage of veterinarians nationwide, including in Wisconsin, uh, and obviously, with that overcrowding limits, our ability to really do the kind of job we want to do as far as educating our future veterinarians. Um, this building will um, literally double the size of our small hospital. We'll keep our current hospital, but also this uh, addition. It'll significantly expand our teaching spaces um, within the new building, as well as our research spaces, uh, both infectious disease research, COVID-19 as an example, um, as well as um, other types of uh, research to benefit both animal and human health. Importantly, we're also adding a large animal arena, an equine arena, to do equine lameness and other evaluations, and also creating a new large animal isolation facility, which is the only one in the state of Wisconsin critically important to the state and its citizens. So in, in every way, this will help us train the next generation of veterinarians, which will go out into the communities all across Wisconsin to serve Uh, people that live in those communities, um, as well as what we can do to um, do research that benefits both animal and human health.
Well, and let's face it, uh, veterinary medicine, uh, campus life, it's a competitive arena. You want the best graduates coming to Wisconsin to become veterinarians. You want the best teachers and researchers to be there. And I've got to believe this will help attract those very people. Exactly. Um, we, on average, get around eleven or 1,200 applications for 96 slots. So as you can imagine, highly competitive. Uh, and so, yeah, we want to maintain that competitiveness and uh, also potentially in the future, but certainly not in the near term, think about whether we want to increase our class size. We have increased it to try to serve the citizens of the state of Wisconsin by about 20 percent over the last six years. Um, I think we're going to stay at that level for a while uh, until we kind of see what the impact of the new building has on our ability to train uh, veterinarians. And again, Dr. Mark Markell, along with us, who is the dean of the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, let us again restate, uh, Dean Markell, that the commitment to animal agriculture in Wisconsin is staying put. Uh, there's so many farmers that are so concerned that the only veterinarians anybody's graduating anymore are purely small animal veterinarians. The commitment remains for things like the Dairyland Initiative. Well, the good news on that front for all the farmers in the state and everyone else uh, who is interested in, in agriculture is we train the most large animal veterinarians in the, in the country and always have. I mean, often anywhere between 15 and 25 percent of our students who graduate are interested in large animal um, practice. Uh, you know, it depends on what the opportunities are available to them, but certainly we're, we remain dedicated to that. As you highlighted with the Dairyland Initiative, we are a worldwide leader in advancing dairy cow health, which benefits both the cows themselves, but allows farmers, uh, and we've talked about this in the past, to um, have increased milk production, uh, often with less feed, less lamenesses. Um, animals stay in the herd longer, and those older animals produce more milk. And so uh, we are absolutely uh, dedicated to that uh, mission and will continue to be dedicated to that mission in the coming years. Dr. Mark Markell, the Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus, looking very much forward to that expanded footprint and all the opportunities that it holds. Did you know that there are only 53 schools of veterinary medicine in the world, which is part of the reason why UW-Madison receives, on average, about 1,100 applications for the available 90 student slots they admit every year. Markets in overnight electronic trade are trending lower. Is it the weather or is it the Federal Reserve? Talking about that next. As a proud supporter of the dairy industry, Compure Financial sends a special thank you to dairy producers during National Dairy Month. Compure recognizes the dedication it takes to produce safe and nutritious milk and dairy products for our nation and world, and is grateful to all the hardworking dairy farmers and their families. Give your local Compure team a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compure.com for your lending and other financial needs. Compure Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Are you ready to get moving again? So am I. I'm Pam Yonke inviting you to join me on another farm tour September 1st through the 10th to the Southwestern National Parks. We'll be visiting the Grand Canyon, Zion Canyon, and Bryce Canyon, and everything in between. You can email me for a brochure, pam at midwestfarmreport.com, or call Holiday Vacations in Eau Claire today, 888 557 1020 for all the information. 
By the way, there is more of my conversation with Dr. Mark Markell from the School of Veterinary Medicine available on our podcast right now. Dr. Markell and I went on to discuss what it was like to try to uh, basically steer the ship during the pandemic at the School of Veterinary Medicine. They have a tremendous amount of public outreach taking care of people's pets at the UW School of Veterinary Medicine Hospital. All of that changed in light of the pandemic last year. Uh, You can hear more on how Dr. Markell helped to navigate through that on our podcast via MidwestFarmReport.com. So this morning, a lot of conversation in the marketplace about signals the Federal Reserve is ready to raise interest rates as soon as 2023. World markets are lower this morning, as is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The Federal Reserve had previously said they didn't expect to raise interest rates until at least 2024. Now they're talking about raising interest rates as soon as 2023. And when they get to 2023, they may raise rates more than once that calendar year. So markets are skittish this morning. As far as our commodities are concerned, we're not sure if it's the Federal Reserve reaction or if it is about the pending wet weather that could be coming to the upper Midwest. In overnight trade right now, December corn is currently down 15 cents at 557. November soybeans are down 19 and a half, 1323 currently. July wheat's down nine at 653 a bushel. The dairy markets, barrel cheese dropped two and a quarter cents at 163 and a half. 40 pound block cheese on Wednesday was up a half a cent at 151. The double A butter, that was unchanged at 180 and a half per pound. Fluid milk contracts for July are currently trading two cents stronger at 1699 a hundredweight. August milk's unchanged 1769 after dropping 28 cents yesterday. All right, so what's going on in the marketplace specifically as it relates to dairy? Talking about it with Andy Fallman from Everag next. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Hey, check the grill. The game's coming on. It's time to turn those Johnson Sausage Brats. And what a deal. You buy five packages at $6 each, and you get a package free. Pick up burgers, roasts, chops, and Wisconsin's finest cheese at Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. They're perfect for cooking out or eating in. Add your favorite beer, wines, or liquor, and eat deliciously. See johnsonsausage.com. Brats are ready. Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. Just about everyone from all walks of life have passed through these doors, each with distinctive skills, dialects, stories, all with a couple of things in common, sense of community and the love of a comfortable spot to chill out. The Tasting Room Lounge, the perfect refuge to enjoy your favorite cigar, spirit, specialty beer, or wine, indoor or on the patio. Find your spot at the Tasting Room Lounge, West Broadway, Monona. So Susan came over, and the first thing she says is, this whole room looks completely different. Okay, that wasn't the first thing Susan said. She gossiped about Linda, but I didn't get involved. So I say, yes, the whole room. I mean, if Susan is going to gossip, I'll give her something to gossip about. And she goes, I can't believe it. Okay, truth bomb. All I did was add accessories from Lazy Boy. So Susan unloads and says she could never do something so amazing. 
amazing, and I think to myself, all right, maybe you exaggerated too much. Let her in on it. Truth is, Susan, I went to Lazy Boy and picked up a few items. Their interior designers show you how an area rug here and a couple of side tables there can change a whole room. And she headed to Lazy Boy. She better not blab this to Linda. Just a few accessories from Lazy Boy makes the difference. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy home furnishings and decor. Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All righty, let's get some clarity on a Thursday morning on what's happening in the marketplace, specifically focused in on dairy this morning. Andy Fallman joins us with the EverAg Group out of Chicago, although I understand the staff is basically dispersed across the United States now, catching up with growers on face-to-face conversations. So, Andy, let's start off uh, with what's happening in the markets. Uh, this has just been a lousy week for everything. Corn, soybeans, and this morning, the Dow Jones. Jones Industrial Average, dairy has suffered its share of setbacks this week. What have you seen going on? Yeah, no, I appreciate your time, Sam. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, uh, the cheese market here, especially if I can just speak to dairy, uh, the spot market has seen its fair share of, um, you know, some weakness here. The block in particular, I think at one point got to about 17 cents discounted to the barrel market. I think, you know, part of that has to do with some things that I just don't think the market was really anticipating and, and myself included. And, you know, one of the bigger issues that I've noticed is that, you know, the 640 block market, 640 pound blocks, you're not seeing as many produced. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're not seeing as much availability to be able to package those blocks. And so what you end up seeing is as a result of that, you're seeing more folks switching over to the 40 pound block market, which at the CME, we trade 40 pound blocks. So, you know, because of what feels like a, a packaging issue and maybe not so much a demand issue, you're seeing more product become available at what we trade at the CME. And CME, it's easy to sell in terms of, you know, it's a price. Um, you go ahead and sell that and then it, it, it moves out the next day, moves out the door the next day. So I think, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things where you just maybe just not couldn't have anticipated something like that having such a, in my opinion, a big impact. What what are they lacking? I mean, it would seem to me that the same materials that you use to pack 640-pound blocks are used in the 40-pound blocks. What's what's specifically the equipment shortage? You know, I don't know the specifics of it, but to my understanding, it's wood crates. Um, you know, we've seen shortages for materials all across the board. You know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, uh, you know, lumber futures, for example, they just took off. Um, you know, you're just seeing the cost of, of building a house or, or like plant, you know, cost of building a, a plant go up considerably just because of materials. Wow. So it's a, it's a very, yeah, it's a very unique time for sure. Absolutely. I guess. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, world movement of dairy products. It still seems like the world is ready to take on our U.S. dairy products if we can get it there. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, the recent export data shows that we've, we're, we're exporting a lot of products. There's no two ways about it. And then and the issue continues to be, you know, we hear about anecdotal things about, you know, being the, the, the port issues being completely, you know, or not completely, but starting to get better. Um, I actually read an article this morning, uh, you know, talking about how, you know, the economy is, is, is still, it's the, the shipping industry specifically is still struggling to keep up with, um, with our exports. So it's, Again, it's another one of those things. It's just like the packaging, you know, piece of it, right? I don't think it's a question of demand so much as I think it's just a question of being able to get, you know, the, the things done that need to get done that you just really maybe wouldn't think of. 
Yeah, logistics, like you said. Andy Fallman's along with us. He's with the EverAg Group out of Chicago, talking strictly dairy this morning. So this week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announced that more money's coming to the nation's farmers in a lot of different ways as far as pandemic relief. And some of that included dairy, but you said really uh, we're lacking the details to get the market to move much, huh, Andy? Yeah, and it's it's it, you know they threw out some pretty big numbers recently, right? One of the first announcements that I saw was uh, it was four billion dollars, and it was going to be dedicated to four different things: food production, food processing, food distribution, and aggregation markets and consumers. And it seems like they're just going to again broad strokes. Don't have the exact details, but being able to strengthen the supply chain. There's a second announcement that came out that basically, in a nutshell, if I can just read a quote from it, said this demonstrated. You know, we'll, we'll provide pandemic relief to those producers that, can, that demonstrated losses that have not been covered by previous assistance. And so, you know, where it comes into play with that second one is, you know, the, how, how is the USDA going to define that, that line, demonstrating losses that have not been covered by previous assistance? We don't, we don't have any color on that just yet. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of those things where you definitely want to stay tuned to see what the USDA ultimately defines as, quote, quote, you know, covered by previous assistance. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that's, that's a pretty wide swath of people that could respond for sure. What else is kind of keeping you uh, focused this morning, Andy? What kinds of conversations are you having with dairy producers, not just here in the Midwest? But I'm real curious how the folks in the West are dealing with the heat Oh yeah, no, it's 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 definitely you know I was just out that way a little um, last week and you know it's it's definitely you know on folks' minds it was hot um, you know how is that going to impact milk production you know pounds per cow that sort of thing um, I also think too you know you, you talk about folks strictly out west it's getting you know we've seen some relief in grain prices here but it's still you know relative to this time last year still pretty high. Um, and you know the weather, or excuse me, the, the grain futures market has seems to have turned into a, a weather trade at this point, right? And you know, depending on what the the latest ten or fourteen day forecast says, you know, futures seem to be responding pretty pretty aggressively. Um, I just think that I think higher feed prices than what guys are used to are, are what you're going to have to contend with here for the next, you know, call it six months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, out west. It's, it's yeah, it's it's a couple different things. It's it's feed, you know, it's high feed prices, and it's it's starting to become it's starting to get hot. And to my understanding, some of the lows during the you know in the evenings aren't getting you know too low, right? So you're having kind of a consistent heat. Yeah, right, and that's tough to manage through. I appreciate the comments this morning. Andy Fallman joining us from uh, Everag down in Chicago, always on point when it comes to our dairy markets and situations that we weren't aware of. Like he said this morning, did you know that there was. <laughs> Issue as far as uh, the packaging materials for the 640-pound block cheese. That is the kind of information you only find out here. Andy, thank you. Have a great day. Again, Andy Fallman along with us, uh, always keeping you up to date. You can find them on the World Wide Web, everag.com, and uh, reach out to the individual members of that trade team if you've got more questions you want to follow up on. This is the Mid.